Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so brings episode 116. So my friends, I hope you're having a great holiday season if you're listening to this episode within a few days of its original release date, which obviously is Christmas of 2022, and to somewhat celebrate but also make it easier for myself, I am tackling the one issue which is Star Wars number 25. Now, if you haven't joined me before, in brief, I go through the plot details of the comic or comics in question, and along the way, I talk about the many connections. So if there's species or planets or just interesting things that are connected to other pieces of content, then I will often mention those. So in this one, there are actually four short stories. So I'm going to go through each of the short stories and provide a little bit of extra information along the way. But before I get into all of that stuff, let's get into some of the personnel and release information of Star Wars 25. So, Star Wars 25, it was written by Charles Soule, all four stories were. Each of the stories have a different artist and colour artist, which I'll mention as I get to the stories in time, rather than just listing off like 10 people. And the issue itself was released July 20th, 2022, and the trade paperback collection was released September 13th, 2022. That collection was called Star Wars Volume 4 Crimson Rain, and includes issues 19, up to 25. If you want to hear all about issues 19 to 24, check out my Crimson Rain crossover episodes. 110 was the last one I did, so that was issue 24 of Star Wars, along with issue 5 of Crimson Rain, and then the tie-in issues for Aphra, Vader, and Bounty Hunters. So just check out my YouTube channel, there's a variety of playlists there, or type in Crimson Rain comics into whatever podcast app you're listening to, and it should come up on the feed of comics in motion. But in addition to that, Star Wars 25 is also the 100th issue of main run Star Wars comics to be released in the new canon. So the first run of Star Wars, started by Jason Aaron, was 75 issues. I've tackled every single one of those on this very podcast. If you want to check those out in a really easy to find way, just go to my YouTube playlist and find main Star Wars comic run and it will be there, all in chronological order. But in addition to that, it's also the 100th Star Wars comic script that Charles Saul has actually written. So obviously he's done this 2020 run of Star Star Wars comics. He's done the 2017 Vader run, which I held as probably the best Star Wars comics that exist at the moment in the canon. He also did the Rise of Kylo Ren comic, the Lando comics, the Obi-Wan and Anakin comics, those three titles I just named or miniseries. So he has done quite a lot of Star Wars and it is amazing that he's keep on going. I know recently he got a new job in a Lucasfilm. I can't remember exactly what it is, but it's quite high up. I think he's like a creative consultant, something like that. But he is having a hand in styles a lot more. And obviously he was one of the architects of the High Republic as well. So he does a lot of stuff and I always thoroughly enjoy his writing. But with that all said and done, let's delve into the first short story of these four. And also each of these connects with the comics that Charles Saul has done. I forgot to mention a moment ago that Charles Saul also did the Poe Dameron comics, which I think there are 31 issues of, I believe. And I've tackled every single one of those as well. It was the most recent ongoing series I think I finished. They're worth listening to as well. The comics are pretty good. 
But yeah, so Charles Saul has done Ren, Vader, Star Wars, Obi-Wan, Lando, and also Poe Dameron. So lots of things. And so these four short stories connect to Obi-Wan and Anakin, Darth Vader, Kylo Ren, and also Poe Dameron. You don't have to have read any of the comics prior, but obviously I would encourage you that if you haven't, go check out my episodes on them so you get a nice wide view of the Star Wars canon. With that in mind, let's get into the first story. So the first story is with Obi-Wan and Anakin, and it is titled The Lesson. It's set between episodes one and two, so it's a few years after The Phantom Menace, but quite a few years before Attack of the Clones, and that's when the Obi-Wan and Anakin miniseries is also set. But this story, the artist for it is Ramon Rosanas, and the colour artist is Rachel Rosenberg. So it starts off with Obi-Wan and Anakin at the Coruscant Jedi Temple, training in front of the Great Tree. So the Great Tree is an Uneti tree, which is a Force-sensitive tree. Now, we actually have seen them in Tales of the Jedi, the recent animated show, the Clone Wars show, and the Clone Wars was actually the first time we ever saw this tree, and it is in the episode The Wrong Jedi, which is the Season 5 finale, Episode 20, which is one of the best arcs in all of Clone Wars. It is phenomenal. You also saw the tree in Shattered Empire Issue 4, which I tackled on the fourth episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon. You actually see Luke and Shara Bay liberate a small piece of this tree after Imperial rule, and Luke then gives it to Shara Bay and Shara Bay along with Kez Dameron so Poe's parents they then plant part of the tree at their home on Yavin 4 so all of that is really really cool a few other interesting things about the Uneti tree so Chirrut Imwe's staff is made from the Uneti tree he is the blind monk played by Donnie Yen in Rogue One probably the best character in the whole thing also in The Last Jedi, the ancient Jedi texts are actually in a hollowed out Uneti tree, and Luke has actually found Arcto, which is the place he resides in in The Last Jedi, because he studied the saplings of the Uneti tree, kind of found out where they originally came from, and it seems to be from Arcto. And the last little bit of trivia, a bit of cool information about the Uneti tree, is that the Neti is in Legends. So in Tales of the Jedi comic 5, they are a shape-shifting type of plant, so a Neti, without the U in front of it but i just thought that's all some really cool stuff i was like oh yeah the great tree i thought that's quite cool i did a bit of research and i was like oh there's a, <laughs> a lot to this i could almost do a whole episode on the uneti tree i'm not going to do that but i just thought that was really cool and yet you get to see it in the clone wars and it's in a variety of other times as well in the dooku episodes of tales of the jedi i think specifically the third one dooku and yoda have a conversation and it's in front of the uneti tree so really recommend checking that out so yes, Obi-Wan Anakin, they are lightsaber dueling in front of the Great Tree, and Anakin asks, why do Jedi only seem to use lightsabers? Like, kyber technology could be used for loads of other things elsewhere, like more weapons or something like that. And it's worth noting here that there's something called the lightsaber rifle, which is actually in Darth Vader 2017 Volume 2, which I tackle in episode 66 of Star Wars Comics and Canon. Joe Castanu uses the lightsaber rifle against Vader. So if you want to see that, obviously pick up the comics, as I always recommend to people. If you want to hear about it, then listen to episode 66 of Star Wars Comics in Canon. And Obi-Wan does also mention in this comic that there are more weapons that have been used with kyber technology, some of which are in the Jedi Vault. So I think that was uh, Saul giving himself a little nod there with the lightsaber rifle. I think in Legends there's been quite a few different things of lightsaber technology. I imagine in the canon as we go back we're going to kind of discover a bit more. Probably in comics, I imagine. I imagine Aphra will probably come across a few. But obviously Anakin asking about that, well him and Palpatine, mainly Palpatine, which actually the plan came from the Geonosians originally, as seen in Attack of the Clones, is the Death Star, which obviously is powered by kyber crystals. But continuing with the story. 
So Obi-Wan responds to this query by Anakin by saying that he actually asked Qui-Gon the same thing when he was younger. When Obi-Wan was younger, he recalled a saber weapon that he created. So there's two small sabers attached by thin chains. And there's quite a cool image of him like spinning it around him and stuff. And he said that it was a really cool idea, he thought. And then Qui-Gon told him something, which he's now going to repeat to Anakin. Now, I'm going to paraphrase this because I didn't want to just read out the entirety of the dialogue for all these comics. But I would recommend picking this up. But basically, tools reflect goals. So anyone can wield a kyber blaster or kyber bomb, but a lightsaber requires precision and training. It shows the care that the Jedi use with everything that they do. And also, a lightsaber by itself can't destroy an entire planet or a city. Every single death or injury one inflicts must be precisely chosen. And that's one of the reasons. And lightsabers are meant to show Jedi as protectors, not as destroyers, like maybe a kyber bomb or kyber rifle would do. And then Anakin does comment and says, but the Sith also use lightsabers. And then Obi-Wan says, yeah, well, the Sith probably have their own reasons for this, but he thinks that the Sith believe they can just do anything the Jedi can do but better, and that's one of the reasons they use lightsabers. Obi-Wan obviously says that they are wrong, and then he ignites his lightsaber again, and they continue their practice. So that was an overview of it. You know, in the lightsaber dueling, Obi-Wan completely beats Anakin quite quickly, and then he uses the Force to pull his lightsaber away, and then they have this little back and forth, and then Obi-Wan returns the lightsaber back to Anakin. But it's a really good question, to be fair to Anakin. It, it makes sense. And I think that as we go back in the canon, I imagine to the age of the Old Republic, obviously at the moment, the furthest back we go is the High Republic, and then we're probably going to get another little jump, which is probably going to be the end of the Old Republic, I imagine. I suspect that will probably be coming along with film, and I wouldn't be surprised if Charles Saul being appointed his new role in Lucasfilm is somewhat to be like, right, we need someone who's going to help us write this, but also connect it to the High Republic and make sure we don't contradict stuff, while also making sure the High Republic hints at these things without contradicting. So I, I suspect Saul's involvement might be to do with that, because I know all the High Republic authors, or I say all the authors, especially Kevin Scott, really wanted to delve into the Sith and the Old Republic, and that's one of the biggest criticisms of the canon is that we haven't delved into the old republic and some of the best star wars stories in legends take place in the old republic darth bane trilogy like a thousand years before the phantom menace everything that happened with revan was like i think five thousand years before bane or a couple thousand years before bane and then you go even older and it's like the origins of the jedi which i think is told in the tales of the jedi comics so there's loads of stuff to do in the wars because there's the Mandalorian Wars, there is the Jedi and Sith Wars, there's the Great Hyperspace Wars, like all these things. There's so much going on. So it's going to be interesting to tackle, to delve into that stuff. But uh, we're not quite there yet in the canon. But yeah, that's basically that story. It's quite a short one, all these ones are, but they're all worth a look. But a lot of them are very visual. The last one I do, the Poe Dameron one, is very wordy. And I'm not going to read out everything from it or anything. But the rest of these, I think, are quite visual comics. So they really would benefit from yourselves picking them up. I think this is on Marvel Unlimited now, but I would recommend it. So the next story is called Darth Vader, The Lesson, obviously showing the same name as the prior story. And this is set shortly after episode three. The artist for it is Giuseppe Camincoli. The inker for it is Danielle Orlandini. And the color artist is Arif Prianto. Now, the story is set shortly after episode three, but there's actually a full volume of Darth Vader comics set before this. So this is actually set after Darth Vader volume one, and I think before Darth Vader volume two, because in this story, you actually see Vader's got Kirak Infilla's lightsaber. Now, if you want to know who Kirak Infilla is and how Vader first got his lightsaber after being turned into the machine man that we know him as, check out episode 62 of Star Wars Comics and Canon, because I delve into that, and that is amidst my favorite Star Wars comics period, when Vader bleeds his lightsaber crystal it's just incredible so i really recommend people go back listen to that episode and pick up the 2017 darth vader run of comics 
But yeah, so the story of this one is quite a short one. It's uh, Vader and Palpatine are on Coruscant and they're in the works district, completely isolated from anyone else. Palpatine tells Vader to fight him and then they have a couple of back and forths, but Palpatine basically destroys Vader immediately with complete ease. And he says that Vader fights like a Jedi. And Palpatine says that the Sith's weapon is not the lightsaber, it's the dark side of the Force. And the dark side touches everything and is everywhere. But the blade is a symbol of an inferno, the fire that the Sith burn, the passion. And Vader understands this and picks up his lightsaber again. But yeah, that, that's basically it. It's quite short, but there's a really cool action scene and, and there's lots of things to pick apart. But I want to add a little bit of extra information here. So I've got this little book called The Mini Book of Lightsabers I only picked up recently. It's really cool. I'd really recommend it. I think it's about a tenner. And it's a really fun read. And so it just basically delves into lightsabers. It even has a lot of information about lightsabers from the High Republic, which really surprised me. And then there's Clone Wars stuff, there's Rebel stuff, there's loads of different things I really did not expect were going to be here. And a lot of random ones as well, which I loved. But they're all canon, and there's some really cool information on there. So I just want to give you a little bit of information about Palpatine's saber, because Palpatine's barely in the Star Wars comics, because, well, he, he's not that much of an interesting character, really, to delve into. And obviously the prequels really did that a lot, and then you get a bit about him in Episode Six, But we don't get that many stories about Palps, so I don't really give that much information on Palpatine. So that was a good opportunity to talk about his lightsaber a little bit. So as I said, the mini book of lightsabers, really, really cool book. Really recommend people pick it up. But I'm just going to read, it's literally like a few sentences just about Palpatine's lightsaber. So... You can see it in the Clone Wars, and you also see it in Revenge of the Sith. But the hilt of Sidious's red-bladed lightsaber was a compact 19 centimeters long with a smooth, almost organic metal plating. The hilt was made from Frick, P-H-R-I-K, which is an incredibly strong and rare alloy, and it also has gold caps made of iridonium. Sidious hid the weapon inside a decorative desk sculpture in his office in Coruscant's Senate building. And then the picture here is a zoom-in close-up of his lightsaber, and it looks really cool. But, you know, Sidious doesn't really use his lightsaber much. Obviously, in the original trilogy, he doesn't at all. And it is shown that when he does pull out his lightsabers, like he has a duel with uh, Maul and Savage Opress in the Clone Wars, he can beat basically anyone, uh, apart from Mace Windu, clearly, because obviously Mace Windu uh, uses Vapard, which is the seventh or eighth form of lightsaber combat, so you can kind of use the dark side energy again the person who's fighting you that sort of stuff i'm not going to delve into Vapard. i've done a whole thing on lightsaber forms etc in a prior episode so go find that i think it's one of the high republic adventures ones but yeah that is the second short story so move on to the next one so this next short story is about kylo ren and it's called see you around kid it's set between episodes eight and nine so last jedi and rise of skywalker the artist is will sliney and the color artist is guru efx now, I did do The Rise of Kylo Ren in the first episode of Star Wars Comics in Canon, but I recommend people check out the redo that I did, which is in episode 109. So in episode 109, there's a lot more information. I gave a lot more information because I changed the format of the show around episode 2 or 3-ish, and also because of Crimson Rain and the Knights of Ren, there's just a lot more information to give about Kylo Ren. So I really recommend people check out episode 109 of Star Wars Comics in Canon because the Rise of Kylo Ren comics are brilliant. So the story starts with Kylo Ren returning to Crate. So Crate was the place you saw in The Last Jedi. It's like a salt world where everything's all white and then there's like some red underneath. There's, visually it looks incredible, but it's where the kind of final battle of The Last Jedi happens. That's where Luke Skywalker comes out as like a force mirage thing. It's, it's in Legends, that, that kind of power, but it's just really interesting. But regarding Crate itself, in episode six of Star Wars Comics and Canon, I actually tackled a comic one-shot called The Storms of Crate, which is actually shows how Leia knew about Crate and they were actually going to use it as a rebel base in the time of the Galactic Civil War. 
So really interesting to hear about that. But the first time you ever actually heard of Crate was actually in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, which is a book by Claudia Gray, which completely surprised me how brilliant that book was. It really it was probably the book I've been most surprised of in all of Star Wars. I wasn't really looking forward to reading it. I read it because I interviewed Claudia Gray and I read it before speaking with her. Blown away by it. Really, really recommend that. But anyway, Kylo Ren returns to Crate, and he's on the Steadfast Star Destroyer, which we only see in The Rise of Skywalker, so I'm not going to delve any further into that. Kylo lands and he looks around where Luke was on Crate and he like stabs the ground where Luke was and he leaves frustrated. Then he heads to Elfrona. Now that place is a central part of the Rise of Kylo Ren comics so that's where you probably have heard it before and it was a Jedi temple from the High Republic era. So Kylo Ren goes there with two of the Knights of Ren. One of them is Vikril, one of them is Ushar. Ushar has only been seen in the sequel trilogy but Vikril has actually been a part of the Knights of Ren for a very long time. He's actually currently shown up in the Bounty Hunter and Crimson Rain comics that are kind of crossing over and things that I've been tackling in prior episodes and actually on the cover of Bounty Hunters number 25 you see Vikral's mask so he's quite a central part of the Knights of Ren. After Ren looks around and finds there is nothing at Ilfrona he then heads to where Luke's temple was. So you don't actually get the name of it in this comic but we know that it was on the planet of Ossus because it's confirmed in Shadow of the Sith. So you saw Luke's temple in the Book of Boba Fett in the Rise of Kylo Ren and it is as I said named in the Shadow of the Sith which is by Adam Christopher. Great book really recommend that too but yeah Ossus is where Luke's temple is. So Kylo is looking around where there's like a destroyed temple and obviously no one around. He's like yelling out asking where are you and he says I can feel you watching and he knows that Luke is apparently watching him so that's who he's calling out to and Ren yells that he wants reckoning. So Kylo Ren is obviously going around to all these places he knows that Luke has been and he thinks that Luke can still see him, that Luke is somewhat mocking him and he wants to fight Luke and beat him. And this is like Luke's greatest victory against uh, Ren in a sense because the whole way that he beat him took any satisfaction away from Kylo Ren and that's really, Kylo Ren just thinks he can just kill and slash and destroy his way through things and that'll make him feel better when obviously it doesn't and never does. But Luke not giving him the satisfaction of doing that it kind of means that Kylo Ren starts to unravel a lot more and this really shows that. But yeah, Ren returns to his shuttle um, once he's kind of done looking around the destroyed Jedi Temple and then tells Hux to bombard this area from orbit. Hux starts to question a little bit and then Kylo Ren demands it and then Hux asks, were you going to stay and watch? And Ren says, no, there's nothing here. And that's where it ends. Really like that story. I just want more Kylo Ren content. I, I think he's one of the best parts of the sequel trilogy, but obviously we don't get that much of him, unfortunately. But this isn't going to turn into a Kylo Ren tangent. This is going to go right back Luke Brown and go to the last story of this collection, which is for Poe Dameron. So it's called Poe Dameron, A Eulogy for Snap. And the artist is Phil Noto, who did all the artwork and also is the colour artist. So kudos to him. He did that on a lot of the Poe Dameron comics. And I don't know how he managed it, but it looks amazing. And this is actually set after episode 9. So if you want to go back and listen to a lot of the Poe Dameron stuff, episode 85 of Star Wars Comics and Canon is where I tackled the first volume of Poe Dameron comics. And if you want a little insight into Poe Dameron's parents, you can check out episode 7, which is where I tackled the Allegiance miniseries, which Shara Bay and Kez Dameron are both in. So I think this might be the only piece of canon content set after The Rise of Skywalker. I might be wrong there, but I think it is because they're trying to stay away from that. And this happened like the evening after the battle. Basically, the, when The Rise of Skywalker ends, this takes place like minutes, maybe a couple of hours afterwards. But it, it's, I think, the furthest in the canon that we have seen. 
But it's all about Snap Wexley, also known as Temmin Wexley. Now, I love Snap Wexley. Uh, he's actually one of my favourite sort of background characters. Um, you saw him in all of the sequel films, and he's great. He's a gentleman with a beard. He dies at the Battle of Exegol. He's one of the only characters that does. It's him, Nine Numb, and a couple of others. But Nine Numb and uh, Snap Wexley are the two sort of main characters that die in the Battle of Exegol. And... When he died, it killed me because he's like one of the only small characters I really, really like and he's gone. And the reason I love him so much is because he is in the Aftermath trilogy. They're by Chuck Wendig, some of the first canon books that came out after the, the canon reset, basically. And they are the first Star Wars books I ever read. I love them. I think they're brilliant. I really, really recommend people check out the Aftermath trilogy of books. If you want new characters, but a little, a few connections to other characters, while also really interesting canon stuff, there's some brilliant just characters and plot that goes on there. The whole of the Battle of Jakku, you get to see that in, like, from the ground. And obviously the Battle of Jakku is quite a major thing in Star Wars that a lot of big Star Wars fans have only seen the movies and series don't really know much about you just see ray on jakku with a giant superstar destroyer near her and then you don't really question it much more but the battle of jakku was actually the empire's final battle and then what happened was the empire lost the battle of jakku and the remaining imperials that were there that didn't surrender went off into the unknown regions of space and basically created the first order general hux was there his name is armitage he was there as a kid and his dad brendel hux was there as well so lots of interesting stuff it was all about the the emperor's contingency plan and it kind of links in with operation cinder as well which is something i've tackled before but really really interesting set of books aftermath i hugely recommend it and it will give you a much greater love for snap and temon wexley his name is temon but his nickname is snap i keep swapping between the two you get to meet his mum who's lovely and also you get to meet one of the greatest characters in all of star wars which is mr bones which is a battle droid from like the prequels like phantom menace style battle droids the long nose ones that are really skinny and weak those ones he basically has programmed this crazy personality matrix into one painted it red and given it like a buzzsaw and all kinds of crazy weapons and it loves killing people but it's not evil like triple zero it just wants to do what temin does so temin says these gang thugs are trying to kill me so mr bones like slices them all up and is like cutting limbs off everywhere and is like singing to himself while he's doing it this like really weird tune it's amazing i love mr bones if he he's almost enough of a good reason to read the aftermath trilogy in itself and uh, you can also get mr bones in the lego star wars skywalker saga game as well so the creators of that game knew how much snap and tem and wexley meant to me personally and mr bones but big old side tangent because uh, this short story is a little bit sad um, because it's a eulogy for Snap. So I just thought I'd say, you know, if anyone's like, why does Mike care about Snap? I've just given you a crash course. So go check out Aftermath. So we see Snap's death in episode nine at the Battle of Exegol. And Poe, Kara Kuhn, Jessica Parva and Suralinda Yavos are there together. They've got the eulogy for Snap, but also give homage to Lulo Lampar and Oddi Mover. Poe notes that Snap was at the Battle of Jakku as well as the Battle of Exegol. So he was there at the end of the Empire and the end of the First Order. And he's such an important person. He's the best wingman that Poe has ever had because Snap was always there. He never let anyone down. Now, Kara Kuhn is devastated by this because her and Snap got married. And so obviously she's lost a husband. And he just made her feel like she was never alone. Even if they were completely across the galaxy from each other, she always had that. And now she's lost that. And she feels this loneliness that's always kind of going to be there 
Jessica then notes that Snap actually pulled some strings and allowed her to be the pilot that she is today because her test results weren't quite high enough, but he knew people from on high and he got them to let Jessica into the Republic Navy and then into the, the Resistance. And because of Snap pulling strings, that meant that Jessica's life could be the way it is. She could be a pilot. She could do what she wanted to do for her entire life. And if Snap hadn't pulled those strings, Jessica doesn't know if she'd ever even been a pilot. So she basically owes her life to him. And then Sura Linda notes, uh, Sura Linda hasn't been in the movies, she's a comic exclusive character for the Poe Dameron comics, but she notes that Snap had many positive attributes and lists them all, but she says he can be summarised in five words. He was a good man. And so there's loads of text in this, I didn't want to read it all out, I think if you want to get really the emotional weight of the eulogy for Snap, you should probably read the Poe Dameron comics because you get a lot of Snap there, obviously read the Aftermath trilogy, but I, I think that you should read this comic specifically yourself, I don't want to just read it all out to you because it takes away from it a little bit. So we kind of get to the end here, and Karakun throws the code for Mr. Bones into the fire, which did upset me quite a lot, um, and then Poe, while he's kind of there, gets a comm saying someone wants to talk to him about something, and he says no, not tonight. So then he raises a glass or a cup to Snap to Black Squadron and says this is for the stories told and the stories yet to come. And that, my friends, is where this comic ends. So I'm glad I got to tackle it because I wasn't sure how I was going to tackle Stars 25, but I think doing it in its own episode really works. And releasing it around Christmas kind of helps too, but it definitely deserved its own focus on it because four incredible series by Charles Saul, amazing characters, brilliant dialogue, a lot of nice messages. Uh, I just really, I really liked Stars 25. When I heard it was a couple of short stories, I was unsure about it, but doing this episode on it and reading it and going in depth in it, I absolutely loved it. So, my friends, what is coming up for Styles Comics and Canon? What's going on in general? Well, in the description, there are links to some guest spots I've been doing recently, so make sure you check those out. I was recently on uh, Indie Comic Spotlight, and we spoke about Miracle Man books one to four, um, not the new Silver Age stuff. We spoke about the, you know, the original three and then the Golden Age as well, so make sure you check that out. I was on Ike's Flame to talk about the High Republic phase one, so that was a lot of fun. Go check that out too. In addition to that, I have actually launched my own feed for Styles Comics in Canon. Don't worry, these episodes are still going to be coming out in Comics in Motion. I just found myself when I was trying to search for older episodes in uh, podcast players, it was actually becoming quite difficult because if I didn't have the name of a certain character in the title, it was so hard to find. So what I decided to do, and um, I've already spoken to the Podfathers about this, they told me I could do it ages ago and I, I now regret only doing it now, but Star Wars Comics in Canon has its own feed. So although I recommend to you all stay subscribed to Comics in Motion, what I'm doing on its own feed is releasing an episode. I'm trying to release one every single day so it'll eventually catch up to this main feed and then episodes will just come out on both feeds that's the that's the general goal and then any fans who just want to listen to the star wars stuff can stick to the star wars feed even though i obviously recommend people do stick to comics in motion it's just searching for older episodes is so much easier especially because we're nearing me doing this for three years so trying to scroll down through three years of podcasts including indie comic spotlight that's been weekly for the same amount of time as well as all the other amazing shows that come out either monthly fortnightly occasionally all those things it's just a lot to scroll through. So if you want to find, you know, an exclusive feed of Styles Comics and Canon, go check that out. And I would also say make sure you subscribe to the Genuine Chit Chat YouTube channel. That's youtube.com slash Genuine Chit Chat. That's got all my episodes of Genuine Chit Chat, many of which have got video, as well as every episode of Styles Comics and Canon, um, which don't have videos. They've just got like a nice visualizer and a bit of artwork and things. Um, but they're all in playlists. So if you want to just find out every episode about Darth Vader, you can listen to all of those. If you want to listen from the start to the main run of Star Wars comics, then you can just go into the playlist I've created for that. Same with Afro 
Mothra, same with Bounty Hunters. I've also created a playlist for the Crimson Rain and more of the Bounty Hunters crossover events, so you can listen to all those event comics as well. There's a few other playlists as well. There's things to do with genuine chit-chat. There's like conversations that have been about Star Wars, so some of those are with content creators of Star Wars. Others are just fans like myself. So check out the YouTube channel. Check out Star Wars Comics and Canon on its own feed, and uh, yeah, it would just be great fun there. But what have we got in the next weeks? Well, next week is going to be that sort of in-between time where I'm not really doing a lot of podcasting. So on this feed, I'm probably going to release something from my Patreon. So I imagine I will release... I think I'll release the book review of A New Dawn, which is the Rebels prequel book, which is how Kanan Jarrus and Harris and Dula met. And it's got a couple of other familiar faces in there. Um, on the book reviews I released on Patreon, I normally record those uh, when I'm in a car. Uh, so when I do that, the audio quality isn't quite as pristine as it is here, but I do clean it up quite a lot and I haven't had any complaints and you can hear everything I'm saying fine. I just thought I would pre-warn that a little bit. Um, I'll try and remember to record something beforehand for A New Dawn, but I might forget because it's the Christmas season. But yeah, that's what's probably going to be next week. The week after that, I'm not entirely sure. Um, I've got another book review recorded for a canon book uh, called Force Collector, which I really enjoyed. I may end up releasing that just on this feed as well. So you might get two book reviews coming up. And then I'm going to get on to some do the comic stuff. So I've got to do the Dr. Aphra and the Darth Vader comics that are the ones set between Crimson Reign and Hidden Empire. So there'll be two of the next ones I do. I've then got the first batch of Hidden Empire to do, which is a crossover events, much like I do with Crimson Reign and like I did with War of the Bounty Hunters. Then there's also the High Republic comics have started coming out, but I'm going to do the Path of Deceit book review soon. I'm about two thirds through that book at the moment, so I'll be doing the book review for that, I imagine, end of January, I guess, maybe early Feb. Uh, and then I'm going to try and read Convergence, do a book review of that. And then there's also the Battle of Jeddah audiobook. There's the Quest for the Hidden City book as well. Lots of stuff that coming out. And then I've got to do, obviously, the High Republic books, uh, comics rather. There's the one-shot Quest of the Jedi. There's the ongoing series. There's the High Republic Adventures comics. Um, there's the Blade of Baldotta or just the Blade. There's lots of High Republic stuff coming out as well, which will be filling up this feed to a degree next year. That'll be the phase two stuff. In addition to that, there's the Yoda ongoing uh, miniseries. There's Old Tales of the Rancor Pit, so Tales from the Rancor Pit, which is another collection of anthology stories from Kevin Scott, all sort of horror orientated, much like the Vader's Castle comics that have been done. But these are just slightly different. So very excited to tackle that because I haven't read that yet. But I'll be reading that, I imagine, January. So I think I'm going to try, try, and please, please uh, keep track of that word, try, to release in the new year. There'll be a book review and then I'm going to try for either the Dr. Aphra or the Darth Vader batch of comics that are in between Crimson Rain and Hidden Empire. Then after that, I'll probably do Tales of the Rancor Pit. Then after that, I'll do the other one. So if I do Aphra, it'll be like Aphra, Rancor Pit, Vader, or vice versa. Then after that, I'm hoping I'll have done the Path of Deceit book review. Then after that, I'll probably kickstart with the Hidden Empire crossover events because by then it should be two or three issues out. I've already got Hidden Empire number two. I just need to make sure that the crossover issues are linking up with that as well. Then there's obviously the IDW publishing Clone Wars Battle Tales comic. There's the other High Republic books that are coming out and the High Republic comics. But that, that's a good idea for the next month or so. So it's going to be Darth Vader, Dr. Aphra and Tales of the Rancor Pit and hopefully the Path of Deceit book review. 
But that is what is going on with me at the moment, my friends. Obviously, as we get to Christmas, things are starting to wrap up. But if you want to get lots of bonus content, lots of it is Star Wars bonus content as well, go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. For as little as £1 a month, you get access to 126 at the moment, I think, episodes of Afterthoughts. About 10 of those are book reviews. Some of them are Legends book reviews that you can't get anywhere else. I've done the Darth Bane trilogy, uh, Shatterpoint, which is all about Mace Windu. I've also done Darth Plagueis, which is all about Palpatine and his master and their rise. I've also listened to Revan, which is also by Drew Carbisham, who wrote the Bane books. I've also listened to Rogue Squadron, which is the first of the X-Wing series by Michael Stackpole too. I've just started listening to Darth Maul Shadowhunter as well. So a lot of my audiobook listening is Legend stuff, and then a lot of my physical reading is canon stuff. So that's kind of where I'm at. So I release a Legends book review over there probably every other month, I think, or thereabouts. I think, yeah, I've done six Legends book reviews over there now, I think. Uh, the three Darth Bane books, Plagueis, Shatterpoint... I think I'm missing one, but I'm going to be recording more anyway. So if you want to get bonus content in that regard, also myself and Megan, we watch movies and TV series and give reviews on those. That's a lot of fun too. And I do a few solo ones on there as well. So if you want to support the show, if you want to get loads of bonus content and audio exclusive feed, you want to get some Star Wars Legends book reviews and my thoughts on those. And I give you no plot details. I give spoiler free review, then some plot details and stuff and stuff I enjoyed about it. Please consider going to patreon.com slash genuine chits chat. But my friends, please share on social media, tell your friends all about it, leave reviews on Spotify, Good Pods, Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the new feed of Styles Comics and Canon, do all those things. And if you're a new listener and you're trying to get through like all of Comics and Canon, a really good way to start is on that new feed because it's starting from square one and it's quite easy to catch up when you're there. But um, thank you for the support, friend, and another amazing year. I will be back obviously next week with the release of, I think, Force Collector is probably what I'm releasing, uh, and then we'll see from there but just thank you so much i hope you have a wonderful holiday season thank you for everything as always my friends support all the other amazing shows on comics in motion check out genuine chit chat and always check the description because there's always a lot of show notes information in there i'll speak to yourselves next week have a great christmas a great holiday season and as always may the force be with you The intro for Star Wars Comics and Canon is arranged by myself, Mike Burton, and the backing music was made by Eric Matias of soundimage.org. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.